Welcome to the Complex Lady Boss Podcast, a place for entrepreneurs and solopreneurs with complicated lives. I'm your host, Amy Lynn Denham. Over the course of this podcast, we'll discuss everything about living the complex lady boss lifestyle, from emotional overload and self-care to running an effective online business. If your life is complicated and you find yourself struggling to keep your life and your business afloat, this podcast is for you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Complex Lady Boss Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to check the description of this show, wherever you're listening to it, to get my freebies as well as Jennifer's. And all the wonderful ways you can connect with Jennifer are listed there too. Thank you very much. Welcome back to the podcast, Jennifer. We are very happy to have you back here for a second episode. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be back. I'm excited for our conversation today. So last time we spoke, we covered how to identify our emotions and why that's important as we're navigating the complexity of emotions that's happening for a lot of us right now working from home. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's get into a conversation about what we can do with that, though. So now we've identified what our emotions are using your emotional awareness tool and other resources that we have. What can we do to start releasing those ones that aren't really serving us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as you mentioned, like the first step in that process is to really understand which feelings you're having. Um, and so the emotional awareness tool that we had discussed that is available on your uh, site with the podcast uh, will help your listeners do that. So once they've identified those feelings, then they can take it a step further and say, okay, which of these feelings are helping me? in some way, in a, in a positive way, and which of these feelings aren't necessarily serving me in the way that I want them to be. And so once they've made that decision around what it is, and it could be you know multiple feelings that they're having, and so they need to step through that process for each one, um, say they identify that a feeling of fear is not serving them, right? Because it's holding them back from their potential. It's holding them back from moving into a space of possibility, for example. So they've decided that they, they fear is no longer serving them, then they need to invite themselves to release that and simply ask themselves, like, am I ready to let this go? It's not serving me anymore. I recognize that it had a purpose, um, but it's not serving me anymore in the way that I need it to and in a positive way. And so um, inviting themselves to release that not only gives them um, that opportunity, but it gives them that agency and that choice to make that decision of, yes, I'm ready to let this go. And they've put their mind in that space. They've set their reticular activation system to say, yes, I'm ready to let this go. How can I do that? So a few questions to follow up on that for people Mm -hmm. who are listening and don't know what a reticular activation system is. (laughs) How about you expand on that part a little bit first? Yeah, so the reticular activation system is the part of our brain that we can set to attention. So it's sort of the way, if you think about it as sort of like a magic wand and you tell yourself, oh my gosh, I wish I had a solution to this problem, right? And you, you specify what the problem is. If you ask yourself, well, what, what solution do I need or what solution do I want or what is the solution? you set your brain to automatically be thinking about and directing it to find solutions because your brain is programmed that way. So if you say, yes, I'm ready to let go of this, 
and what's the best way for me to let go of this feeling, your brain is already starting to work on that solution for you. And so we call this the, the reticular activating system. It's in, it's in part, of, part of the brain, and I don't want to go into the, the neurological <laughs> part of it, um, but just know that it's like a system that really sets your attention and focus on what you're trying to accomplish, and it helps you get there. So it sounds like it's a bit in relation to the idea of reframing the way that we're looking at things as well, um, wherein people, if they're looking at their problems or their challenges and they're seeing only the negative and saying like, oh, mm -hmm. you know, what's going to get worse or how is this going to hurt my business or hurt my, my family or whatever it is that, that they're working with, um, if they continually look at that, then their brain is going to keep making thoughts that reinforce that and make them think about the negative whereas mm -hmm. if they reframe it and say well what can i do about this where can mm -hmm. i find success in this that it will start to activate their brain to think in a different way is that correct yes that's exactly correct so it's it's the equivalent of when you have a child and you tell your child don't do that what do they do <laughs> more of that <laughs> more of that exactly because that's how their brain is programmed like that's 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 what they know to do because their brain has been told to focus on that so when you flip that and you reframe it like you said it's the ability to focus on what you do want and what you would like to change and what is possible and what could come from uh releasing that emotion that you're not looking that you don't want anymore that's not serving you so that's one way that you can release that feeling is to simply tell yourself, I, yes, I, I give myself permission to release that feeling and I let it go. And what is the best way for me to do that? Well, there's multiple ways that you can do that. And then with a lot of my coaching clients, what I find very helpful is that we do some kind of release ceremony, right? So it could be where, you know, um, I invite the client to go ahead and write down that feeling that isn't serving them and perhaps you know some of the other associated things with that that weren't working for them and they write it down and then maybe they go out to their fire pit and they burn it in the fire pit right or perhaps it's a it's a it's a it's a opportunity where um they can do a visualization right so they visualize their lives after they've released this and how they feel and where do they feel that in their body? And what are they thinking about? And how is their mood changed? And what emotions are they now feeling? So it's very much a mind and body, like it's a somatic type of integration that's the type of coaching that I do. That's another way. So it's almost uh, like a ritualistic kind of a thing. Like if you create some sort of a ceremonial thing around it, it will mm -hmm. help solidify that in your mind if you're having trouble just saying, oh, I'm gonna let this go. And then like your brain's like, no, you're not. Yes, exactly. And you know, sometimes we talk about that as closure, right? Like someone can say, you know, I'm really done with this relationship, or I'm really done being treated this way. And so maybe they take all the pictures that they have of them and their ex and they cut them in half or they rip them up or they throw them away. Like, it's the same sort of idea, right? They're putting closure to that part of the emotions and that connection or whatever it is, right, that isn't serving them. And they let it go so they can move on to, to, to what's next. Um, there could also be, um, for some people, um, emotion is motion, right? And so for, for others, it could be enough to just simply go dance, right? Dance in their living room, dance in their kitchen, because they can't go out right now. Um, it could be for others that they go for a walk, right? So they, they get their body physically moving 
and they set their brain to say, look, I'm releasing this and I'm walking to release this, or they go, they play music of some kind, right? We know that music in particular is a great way to change mood and to change emotional state, to change into a positive frame of mind. And so the music that you choose to play can also help you release that, right? If you, if you play, I'm walking on sunshine, it's really hard to be um, in a space where you have some, you know, less than positive feelings going on, right? Which makes sense. And it seems like it's, um, it's kind of like hitting a reset button almost. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people say, we've all heard the term, don't go to bed angry. Um, but I do find that for a lot of us, if we go to bed angry or with any other negative emotion, we tend to kind of reset by the time that we wake up. We may not be walking on sunshine at that moment, um, mm -hmm. but it's not as intense as it was once we've put that space between us and that emotion. Yes. Yes. And having your brain be able to quiet down and be able to think about that. And maybe it's, you're thinking about it in your subconscious, you know, as you're sleeping. And so there's, there's um, probably something happening there as well, where it decreases the intensity of that emotion so that in the morning, when you wake up, you are able to reconsider your options or reconsider your approach or reconsider your decision on how you want to handle that. And then you can invite yourself to release it if you still need to. I think that it's good too that you're presenting multiple ways to do this as opposed to just saying, you know, making that choice and just going with it because a lot of people will find that they make the choice like, okay, I'm really, I really want to let this go, but it's just holding on so hard. Um, mm -hmm. And that one, one particular way of doing it may not work for everyone. So to try different techniques, but then also some of us may need to do multiple techniques to kind of just let it go bit by bit until we are settled with it. Yes, exactly. And a lot of that depends on, you know, someone's preference for how they take in information. Um, it depends on someone's preference for how they communicate. Um, it depends on their um, comfort level with, um, you know, physical activity or ability for physical activity, right? So it really is a, it really is um, a choice of what works best for you and knowing yourself in that way. Um, and if you find that it's something that you're not able to release for whatever reason, and you're just stuck, um, then it's sometimes a good idea to reach out for help, right? And say, hey, you know, um, I have a friend who's a coach, maybe they can help me with that. Or, you know, I have a, I know a therapist who's really good in this space and perhaps there's something I need to dig into here. And so, you know, there are many other options as well to try to let that go. It could be simply over a glass of wine with your best friend, right? Because you need someone to hear you and to hold you accountable for that in that way. Um, mm -hmm. So there's a variety of options that people have to, to choose from when they're yeah. looking to release a feeling that isn't serving them. Yes, and it sounds like it comes down to a few things. One, knowing yourself. Um, so maybe perhaps making a list of what has worked for you in the past when you've dealt with difficult emotions or difficult situations and trying mm -hmm. those things. Um, and then also just trying trying the breadth of options. Um, one thing that I've always been very adamant about is when it comes to therapists or coaches or psychologists, you don't just go once and then decide it didn't work. Maybe that right. wasn't the right fit for you, right? So, yes. so perhaps you try different techniques and then if you do end up reaching for, out for help, maybe you try talking to multiple different types of people until you feel like you get that fit that works for you. 
Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. I always like to tell my clients that as well, right? Because part of what makes a coaching engagement so effective is that relationship between the coach and the client. And if that's not a relationship that's working for either one of them, for whatever reason, um, it's in the, in the client's best interest to seek another coach who will they have a better rapport with. Um, and so I always encourage my clients, look, you know, I, I want feedback. How is this working for you? Is it, is it working? What would you like to see more of? What would you like to see less of? Um, you know, are, are you thinking that you'd like to switch coaches? And I don't take that personally because it, it's really at the end of the day about what works best for the client and how to best serve them. And if that's with them finding a new coach, then I'm happy to help them find a new coach because I want them to be successful in achieving their goals. And that's a beautiful approach that I think that, I mean, like that applies to relationships of all kinds. Um, mm -hmm. And that applies to challenges of all kinds. Um, what other sorts of techniques do you suggest for people to try as they're releasing, trying to release these emotions and release these, um, these unhelpful mindsets that they have? Mm -hmm. What other techniques do you have that you suggest? Oh, there's lots of techniques that I have. I mean, we talked in the last episode about a limiting belief um, technique. Um, we also have some um, scenario type of um, visualizations or meditations that I run clients through to help them um, change, you know, release these feelings or release these limiting beliefs and replace them with empowering beliefs. Um, one of the other things that we work on is uh, resourceful or unresourceful states. And so, like I'd mentioned in the last podcast, you know, I woke up this one morning and I just, just, just in one of those moods where, you know, the, the, the sky was gray and there's thunderclouds over my head. And I was just, you know, really not in a, in a space where not only could I not serve clients in that moment, but I really just wasn't in a space where I was serving myself. Um, and so one of the ways that um, I use to change myself from, you know, that unresourceful state, as we call it, into a resourceful state um, is I dance. So um, broadly speaking, um, emotion is created from motion. And so for me, one of the things I love to do, I'm a competitive ballroom dancer. That wow. I will go and dance. <laughs> yeah. I'm so that's just not something you hear about very much. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, you know, it really helps me change my state. It helps me change my mood. And I find that when I'm completely present and focused in that moment, that I don't have the bandwidth to be thinking about, oh, I have like, you know, thunderclouds hanging over my head right now. Mm -hmm. I'm more focused on how do I produce this beautiful rumba movement so that it looks good, you know? So it's, it's for me, it's, that's one of the ways that I do it. Um, but in, in, in an abbreviated way, there are many different types of ways that people can move in order to, you know, change from an unresourceful state to a resourceful state. And most of it involves some type of motion. So you can do something as simple as smile, right? So if you are frowning and you notice that, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm in a mood and people are noticing I'm in a mood or, you know, my, my, my new coworkers at home are noticing I'm in a mood, <laughs> um, you can smile because the muscles involved in smiling in your face don't allow you to have a frown at the same time. Um, and just trying that, it may sound trite, um, but it actually works. Um, you can laugh, you know, laughing is a great way to change your state. You can go online on, you know, Facebook or YouTube, and you can look for some of those really cute kitten videos or the video, you know, those, those videos where they have like the, 
the Darwin Awards, right, of people doing these unbelievable types of feats and, you know, potentially hurting themselves, which isn't funny. But you can watch those and you're just sort of, you know, it really changes your state into sort of maybe disbelief instead of like, you know, fear or anger. Um, so, but there's many ways, right? You can read. You can lose yourself in a, in a world of words and you can read and, and dive into that story that you're reading about and, you know, be able to transfer perhaps that attention uh, from you onto something else. And um, as you talk about the ballroom dancing that you do and mm -hmm. going ahead and diving into a book, it seems like it brings into a, the conversation, the whole idea of self-care again and being compassionate with yourself in these moments where you're feeling these negative emotions and maybe you're having a tough time letting them go to do something that reminds you that you can enjoy things you can enjoy life and bring about positive emotions in a different realm to mm -hmm. kind of offset that yes absolutely and i think you know I, I i want to also emphasize for your listeners that you know there is nothing wrong with feeling feelings that maybe are categorized as negative, right? I think it's actually, it's healthy to be able to acknowledge that and recognize it and sit with it and ask it like, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling this? Where is this coming from? And sit with it and acknowledge it. And then once you're ready to let it go, then make the decision. Are you ready? And if you are, then okay, let's release it, right? Um, but it's fully, you know, with everything happening right now, particularly with this COVID-19 and people are, people are ill, people are dying. And as we see this wave continue to come across the country and across the globe, um, that's going to be our reality for a while. And that's a very sad thing. And so I think it deserves to be recognized and acknowledged that people will be feeling that way. Um, and to process that so that we can then move forward into a space where the tragedy is not for naught, right? Yeah, you bring up a really good point that, you know, our, our negative emotions that we use the word negative, which inherently mm -hmm. sounds like they're a bad thing that shouldn't be there. Um, they're essentially like our brain's alert system to tell us that something is wrong, um, that we, we want some sort of change. And the problem comes for people when we get stuck in them and sit with them and decide that that's all that there is. Um, if we're able to use them as that alert system and say, okay, why are you here? What are you trying to inform me about? And then move from that state into a solution focused state. We are able to step past it. Yes. Yes. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's also helpful. Like when we're thinking about, um, We'll talk about this probably a little bit later in the podcast. I don't know how much time we have left, but the, the, the concept of gratefulness, right? And being grateful and, and expressing gratitude and the importance of that and how it can help us shift, you know, into that space where um, we uh, acknowledge that that is good and positive around us and not just the negative that's happening. And I think right now with all of the waves of information that we're getting about this crisis and much of it is so um, negative, it's important to remember there are a lot of positive things coming out of this, right? We have companies that are changing manufacturing and distributing masks to people. I just saw something today that Nike and Gap are creating masks for people as well as Hanes. Um, you know, I've seen that other companies that make hard cider are transitioning over to making hand sanitizer, right? So, and I saw, oh, the other thing that was very interesting today was I saw that Dyson has actually created a respirator um, wow. for hospitals, which I think, 
that's amazing, right? I mean, just the talent and the abilities that, that we have to help and serve others in this time is just, it's unprecedented. Yes. And as you're talking about the idea of gratefulness, um, I know that we kind of had a structure for how we wanted to work through this conversation. Um, it mm -hmm. does seem like it's flowing toward gratefulness, but before we mm -hmm. get there, we were going to touch on the idea of choosing an approach. So once you've started mm -hmm. to release those more negative feelings and starting to figure out how to step into a more of a, a success focused um, mindset, how does a person go about choosing that approach and figuring out, you know, how am I going to replace these? What am I going to put in that space that all these negative emotions were in and how am I going to use that to serve me? Mm -hmm. Yes. So we touched on the first part of that a little bit, you know, we touched on it where um, there is a motion or an activity that someone can take to start to change that state. Um, and so that's like sort of the quick way, right? They can listen to music of some kind. Um, they can laugh, they can smile, they can maybe read, um, they can move if that's something that's available to them. Uh, and so that's one way. Um, there's a second way that I that actually run my clients through this process. And it's, it's actually a, um, an NLP and somatic version of um, choosing a resourceful state. And so what I like to ask my clients to do is to, first of all, think about a time when they felt really empowered and they were super confident and super capable and have them describe that memory for me, right? Tell me how they were feeling. What color was the room or the building they were in? Like how, you know, who was around them? What was happening? Like give me all these rich contextual details um, and help me understand like why were they feeling empowered? What were they doing? What were the results? What was coming out of that? How did they feel that it connected to their purpose, to their inner voice, to their wisdom, to their values? Um, and as they describe that situation, I ask them to pick some kind of anchor, we call it. And so the anchor can be, perhaps they take their, their index finger and they touch it to their thumb on their left hand. Right? And so they make this little circle with their index finger and their thumb. Or perhaps they tap their right big toe on the floor and hold it there. Or perhaps they um, take their tongue and put it behind their teeth, you know, in their mouth, for example. And so that is an anchor that they then associate with these extremely positive and confident and powerful feelings that they're having about this time when they were super powered, super, like superpower, right? And super confident. Um, and having like their moment of, um, their moment of time, their, not their moment of time, but like their moment of, um, their moment of where they're stepping into their own power is what I was mm -hmm. looking to say. And for the people who are listening, um, mm -hmm. you quickly said NLP. Um, so that's yeah. that neuro-linguistic programming. Yeah. Um, so that's what she's talking about there, which you can kind of look up if you want to get more into the more scientific part of it all. Mm -hmm. um, it sounds a little hokey, but there really mm -hmm. are studies that prove that this works. Yes. And I think something that will help people understand why this works without getting into the science of it all Mm -hmm. Think about things such as, okay, music. If you hear a song from when, uh, from a, a something that happened in your life, whether it was a good moment or a sad moment or whatever, or if you, you smell something that reminds mm -hmm. you, like those senses are so tied to that, you can yes. step right in. 
Yes, exactly. That's exactly what we're talking about. So if you think back to like when you walked into your grandma's kitchen and you smelled her apple pie, right? Or whatever it was that she was cooking that was so distinctive to her. And you immediately associate with that with a feeling of safety, a feeling of comfort, a feeling of being loved, um, a feeling of excitement because you, you know, your grandma always had the time to listen to you and paid attention and, you know, did all these things that made you feel seen and heard and understood and acknowledged. And so this is exactly that same kind of scenario. Um, and so what, what happens is after you've described the situation where you're feeling this way and you've created this physical anchor that you then associate with those feelings, um, then I have my clients step away from that, right? They stop the anchor and they stop describing the memory. And I ask them about something completely different, right? So we're changing the focus, we're changing the state. And maybe I ask them what they had for breakfast or I ask them what they're gonna do this weekend or you know, what's, what is their plan for you know, their wedding, upcoming wedding, for example. And so we talk about that. And then in the next couple minutes, I have them go back and I have them reactivate that anchor. I have them either, you know, touch their fingers together or put their toe on the floor, whatever it is that they've chosen. And I ask them to tell me then how they're feeling. And they will tell me they have associated those feelings and those outcomes with that particular physical anchor. So that's a longer version of how you can actually change, um, choose that approach and change that state to be in a more resourceful space for you to move forward. And that's a huge technique for people to be able to have. And it's mm -hmm. something that's constantly with you. Um, I exactly. mean, carrying around an apple pie, maybe not something that you can do. <laughs> so you can't just right. pull that out of your pocket. And, and right. also, I mean, that would be pretty obvious, even if it was something smaller, you know, to pull that out and have to smell something or to have to put a song on your iPod while you're in the middle of a meeting may not mm -hmm. be an appropriate social thing to do. Um, right. But to tap your toe on the floor, to touch your fingers together, you always have that option. Yes. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, most often clients will pick something that's, you know, a little subtle, right? So that other people don't notice it or don't see it when they're doing it. Um, and it just gives them that little inner, like, you know, I am awesome, right? And I'm confident. And then they project that, right? Their energy changes, their vibe changes, their aura changes. And so they have this different, they're showing up differently in that space. And then all of a sudden people are looking at them differently because they sense that something has changed. They are, they're not quite sure what it is and they can't put their finger on it no pun intended, but, <laughs> and you know, they're like, oh yeah, okay. And so things start to change, right? They've changed yeah. the reality and they've changed perception of others. And so for those listening, this might be a great time for you to pause this episode and just go right back to the beginning of that part of this conversation and write this process down and mm -hmm. go through it on your own if you need to. Like if you, if you can afford to go and get a coach or to go and talk to a therapist or a psychologist um, who practices this, fantastic. The emotional mm -hmm. support in and of itself will be huge. Um, but if it's mm -hmm. not something you have the capacity or the ability to go do at this time, you can utilize this. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. It's something that people can access, replay and access. And, you know, if there are questions on that, or if they're having trouble with the process, you know, I encourage, I'm more than happy to answer any questions that they have. So feel free to, you know, reach out to me. You, Amy, you've got my information, so you can share that with them in some way. I'm sure yes, on your website or whatever. that will be in the description of this episode, which will be on both of my websites, as well as mm -hmm. wherever you're listening to this podcast. Okay. Um, 
So let's move this along because we're running a little bit longer than I anticipated here. Uh, I was trying so hard to keep this in at a certain time. Um, so we'll move more into that gratitude part. Um, we've touched on it a bit in terms of how people mm -hmm. can step into the attitude of gratitude, as you call it. Um, yes. What other points outside of what we've already discussed would you like to make on that? So there's a couple points I'd like to make, um, and then I have a gratitude meditation exercise that people can run through as well. So maybe we run through the points and then the meditation exercise, if that works. Sounds fine to me. Okay. So I think, you know, the, the important piece of gratitude is that we know from research, multiple research studies, that when you demonstrate gratitude and you practice gratitude, it improves your psychological health, it improves your physical health and it improves your mental resiliency. And these are all cap qualities and capabilities that we need particularly today to help us, you know, in light of the challenges that we're facing and to help us move forward in a way that is flourishing instead of fear-based. So gratitude is also a way for you to manage your own emotions and to help others manage theirs in a time where many people are searching for that kind of help. And so it's a way that you can serve others and give back, um, as well as create that space around you and in your world to really enable abundance and to enable flourishing to come your way. So, so how can you be grateful, right? So that maybe is where we start. So one of the ways that I like to share with my clients to being grateful is to simply focus on what is good <clears throat> and what is positive in your life. Like, what is happening that's good, right? Well, hopefully for many of us that are listening today, um, you were able to wake up in a comfortable bed today, right? Um, perhaps you um, are in an area of the country where it's colder than, it, than in other parts of the country. And so you woke up and the heating system in your house was working right? So it's very simple things, right? When we stop to think about what we can be grateful for and look at what the blessings are that we have and the benefits that we have, it really helps us focus on this abundance mindset instead of a deficit mindset and what we might be lacking. I think when we really stop and take stock of what we have in our lives that is good and positive right now, yes, COVID is terrible and this crisis is horrible. I think that we also have things that we're very grateful for and that we need to stop and recognize and think about. Yes, there's a lot of things that I think we overlook way more than we should. Mm -hmm. um, as someone who's dealt with an illness that at one point had it so that I basically couldn't walk, um, it was easy. Once I was able to get strong enough to walk again and I got leg braces that helped me with that, um, I started to just get so used to this being my normal again that I would start to kind of feel negative about other things and it would really take someone pointing out like, yeah, but you can walk today. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I can. Like, holy crap. Is that something to be grateful for? I can get up and walk somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So what else were you wanting to, this meditation? Yeah, Let's so I think, that. you know, it might be helpful for people. I, you know, one of the ways that, you know, I have wanted to um, serve, you know, others around me and give back during this time um, is I've started a meditation group, a 21-day meditation group 
um, for people to just, you know, carve out that space and hold that space for them to really be present and to be focused on what is good and positive that's happening for them and to re reinforce that those things are abundance and that, you know, we can share that with others as well through our, through our own presence with them. Um, so, so the meditation exercise works like this. So the first thing that I ask them to do is to ask themselves, what are you grateful for today? And so they think about, you know, everything that is good and everything that is positive in their life. Um, they acknowledge the beauty that is surrounding them as well as that which lives within them. And I ask them to write all of those things down. So for example, I had done this myself, um, you know, like within an hour of getting up one morning and I came up with like 30, 30 some items on this list of just things that I were grateful for. And it's just small things. And I think we have the crisis to be thankful to be thankful for, for some of those things, because there aren't things I would have put on the list before. Um, so anyway, so we, so they capture their items and then I ask them to find a spot to sit that's comfortable and then close their eyes, put their hands, palm up on their thighs, and then repeat silently to themselves, today, I remember to be grateful. And then I follow that with a breathing exercise. So they breathe in through their nose for four counts, and then they blow out their breath through their mouth for four counts. And they repeat that 10 times. And when they're done, I ask them to gently open their eyes, and I ask them to describe how they're feeling and describe what they're feeling and describe where they feel that in their body. So this is more of like a somatic coaching approach. So it combines the mind and the body together. And most often what clients will share with me after that exercise is that they feel so calm. They feel at peace. The chatter in their head has stopped. Um, they are literally seeing things differently, like colors may be appearing more strong to them than they were before. Um, they are noticing sounds in the environment that maybe they hadn't heard before, right? Maybe birds chirping or something that they were just tuning out before and weren't aware of. Um, and they're noticing that there is this heart-centeredness that's coming from them that is creating this space around them of positivity and of positive energy. And so it's raising the collective energy of them and the people around them. And when that happens with enough people and we create this sort of tidal wave of you know, good vibes and positive energy that's happening, spreading that throughout the world, I think will help humanity survive and thrive during this crisis. That is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so after that beautiful little meditative experience I just had, and I hope that people were able to experience at least to some degree at home, um, what else would you like to leave our listeners with today? So I would like to just encourage your listeners that each of us have amazing talents and skills and gifts, and that each of us is so resourceful and creative and whole. And I would invite them to think about how can they best serve humanity with love and compassion and kindness? And what can they do today to help make the world for them and for those around them 
a better place so that we can all be strong together and get through this time. Again, I will say it. That's beautiful. <laughs> um, I have nothing else to add to this because I really feel like we have, we've talked about some of the most important points that I think we can discuss here today. And I just want to let you leave off with those final thoughts from Jennifer. So I will go ahead and say thank you for joining us as listeners. And thank you, Jennifer, very much for being here on this episode. Thank you so much for having me. It's my honor. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Complex Lady Boss podcast special season. As usual, we hope that you found this episode to be helpful and that this episode finds you in a healthy state. That concludes this episode of the Complex Lady Boss podcast. As usual, please hit like and subscribe on whatever platform you are listening to this podcast on. You can find me on Twitter at Amy Lynn Writing, and I do invite you to visit my websites, amylynnwriting.com and complexladyboss.com for blog posts, courses, and much more. Thanks for listening. <laughs>